The disciples left, went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely not I? It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. We'll now have the Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised, both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted above all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord! Thank you so much, Jeffrey. And um, it'd be great if you could uh, keep uh, a Bible open uh, to, um, or, or indeed a, um, a service sheet open to uh, that psalm. Um, uh, that psalm is, is our text. If you don't have a service sheet, um, wave and somebody at the back. They won't give you one because uh, we've run out. I'll print some more for next week. Um, so I'll just try and uh, flag up as we're, as we're going through. And, um, uh, but more importantly, why don't we uh, pray together as we come to look at God's word. Oh, Father, I pray that by your Spirit now you do in us what we can't do. Would you show us you? Father, would you take our hearts that are often really slow to praise you? And would you give us fuel 
fuel for praise. Might it be that this Lent uh, we would have that odd experience of both praising and desiring you more and recognizing our position before you all the more. So would you do that in us, I pray. Amen. Well, as uh, Johnny told us, we're going to be in uh, Psalms 113 through 118, 113 to 118, as a friend of mine likes to call them. Uh, and, uh, and, and these are the songbook of Israel, the, the songbook of, uh, of, of um, the, uh, the people of God. Uh, and this is really the start of a, uh, an album within that songbook. It's an album that would come out uh, every year. Uh, and as such, it would be well known. If I say to you, all I want for Christmas is... You can complete that sentence, can't you? My two front teeth. Excellent. I was going with you, but that's okay. Um, we, we've, got, we, we've, got those, uh, we've got those down. Um, it's, it's like Mariah Carey. It would come out every year, and, and you, would, you would hear it, and you would, you would know it well, you, all the variations thereof. Um, and, and therefore, this is, this is a, an album that we b- would be bought out, not at Christmas, but at Passover, and it would be sung every Passover. Which means that this is the soundtrack, not just to Passover, but it's the soundtrack to that meal that Jesus had less than 24 hours before he went to the cross. This is the soundtrack to the the hours leading up to the cross. Uh, And that's why as we go through Lent, uh, we are going to listen to uh, and engage in this very soundtrack. Asking, what does it mean for Jesus to sing these words? And what does it mean for us to sing them after him? So let's uh, take a a look. Uh, We see um, there, uh, praise the Lord, uh, the Hebrew, hallelujah. Uh, Praise the Lord, you servants of his. Praise the name of the Lord, Yahweh. Let the name of the Lord, Yahweh, be praised for both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of Yahweh is to be praised. And when the Bible uses Lord in capitals, it's translating that that name that God has, Yahweh. And and, and this is a call to praise. It's an Israelite uh, singing out, praise uh, Yahweh. Uh, Let me me call you to praise him. uh, And and let me call you to praise him. And not just to kind of stir you up. I'm I'm not just kind of a hype man. I'm not just playing loud music and, uh, and, and shouting. But I'm going to give you real, true reasons why you should praise the Lord. And and, in verse 1 to 3, we see it's because of his name. Did you notice that? He he calls the people of God, verse 2, you servants of his, to praise the name of the Lord. Verse 2, the name of the Lord be praised. Verse 3, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Uh, Why is it uh, that his name should bring about praise? Well, a name is more than just a name, isn't it? If I say to you, uh, Ben Tanner, you don't think, oh yes, that's that um, Hebraic uh, origin name, Ben, probably means son of or something. Tanner, uh, that's something to do with the sixpence or, 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 or something, isn't it? Maybe, maybe. You don't think that, do you? You, you? If I say to you, Ben Tanner, you think, oh, that's, that's the vicar at, at our church. Uh, he married to Rachel, got three kids. If you were here last week, questionable sports team affiliations. Um, you think of who I am and, and, and what I've done, don't you? In the same way that if I said your name, I would think of you. Here, the psalmist says, 
praise the name of the Lord. In, in other words, think of who this Yahweh is. Uh, the God who, who met, yes, with, uh, with Moses on the mountain. Uh, when he was told, uh, Moses says, what's your name? And God says, I am who I am, or I will be who I will be, or Yahweh is my name. But this, this speaks of the God who not only created everything, as we heard on Wednesday, uh, but the God who throughout history has been bringing together a people uh, who will come to this place of, of, of complete joy as they praise and get to know their God. He promises Abraham, doesn't he? I'll, I'll give you a descendant who will follow me. He, he promises Moses, I'm going to take my people out of slavery. Uh, he promises again and again as God's people turn their back on him and walk away from them. Uh, what does God do? He redeems them. He brings them back uh, again and again. You see, the whole of history, God is going about bringing together a people who will delight in him and he will delight in. In fact, it's a people that is going to be massive. Did, did you see the kind of extent of this call? Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. This is a call that, that, that starts when the psalmist writes it and goes on forever. In other words, there is no time that we will ever come to today in 2023, 2,000 odd years after Jesus sung this, or or, or next year, or next millennia, or into all eternity when this call to praise God ever expires. This is a call that goes on and on. Uh, But it's not just now and forever. It's not just kind of temporal, but it's also physical. Uh, Verse 3, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. It's a call that goes out from east to west. And and I love this because if it was from the north to the south, that would be pretty all-encompassing, wouldn't it? Uh, Except for that if you travel north, you get to the North Pole, uh, and then you've got to the most kind of northerly bit. If I keep going east where the sunrise goes, I can keep going east and east and east and east, can't I? I can keep going that way forever. Similarly, west, I can keep going forever. This is a call that goes out not just to all times, but to all places. There is no place in this universe, no time in this universe, where God's people aren't being called to praise him for who he is. But what does this mean for Jesus? There he sits down with his friends. There's Jesus sitting at table, singing this psalm, calling out to the nations, and yet knowing, well, we read it, didn't we? You strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Every one of you is going to desert me, he knows. In just a few hours, he goes on to say, "Uh, Peter, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. Here's Jesus, and he's singing this call, but he knows that tomorrow he is going to be on his own. Where is this congregation singing praise to Yahweh? And yet we also know, don't we, that Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross. This, this struck me this week to, to the point where actually I was in tears as I was preparing this. And I, I'll try not to. Who is Jesus singing about as he's calling 
out this psalm. He is singing out to those who are going to come from all places and all times to praise Yahweh through what he is going to do in the next few hours. He is setting ahead of himself a a joy of this great congregation. Which means, among others, he is singing about you. He's singing about you and he is calling you to praise Yahweh for the works that he is going to do. Hallelujah. What an amazing God we have. Praise God. But it, it doesn't stop there. The, the psalmist carries on. Verse uh, 4 to 6, we see um, the psalmist goes on to, to think about who this Lord is. Uh, Yahweh is to be exalted over all nations. Sorry. Yahweh is exalted over all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like Yahweh, our God, the one enthroned uh, on high, who stoops down to look on the heaven and the earth? He asks, who is like Yahweh, our God? And actually, of course, the answer is, well, no one. No, no one is exalted over the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who, who is like Yahweh our God? No one is like him. There's nothing that we can compare him to that, that, that we can say, oh, that's like Yahweh. Uh, Anselm of Canterbury, a, a theologian a few years back, uh, said this. He, he said that God is that being than which a greater cannot be conceived. God is the being than which a greater cannot be conceived. In other words, if you go out through all the nations and you go, let me see something that is going to, that I can say, that, that's like God. They're comparable. You, you can't find anything because he's greater than anything in the nations. You say, okay, well, let me go to the heavens. Let me, let, let me gaze upon angels, the like of which uh, my, my, my mind cannot really get my head around, but, but I see them. And even there, you can't compare that with the God who is incomparable, who is like our God. Sometimes we, um, we've got a bit of a, um, uh, like a catechism that we sometimes do with our kids. Uh, and, uh, and we talk about God as being the most, mostest. He's the most, mostest. And then we ask a series of questions and they change uh, from time to time. And I say, uh, is it possible to be any more beautiful than God? And the answer is no, because he's the most, mostest. Is it possible to be any more kind than God? No, because he's the most, mostest. Any more powerful than God? No, because he's the most, mostest. Uh, is it possible to be uh, any more loving than God? No, because he's the most, mostest. Any more knowledgeable? And we go on, no, because he's the most, most. He's the most, mostest. Uh, in other words, uh, uh, you, you take the most beautiful thing or the most powerful thing or the most glorious thing that you can possibly imagine in heaven or earth, and God is incomparably greater than that. That's pretty huge, isn't it? And that means, actually, that we need to come to him with a humility, because the way in which we know things often is by comparing them with things that we know, isn't it? Like, if I say to you, do you know where All Saints Totley is? And you say, oh, no, I'm not sure. I say, well, do you know where the Crosssides pub is? And you go, yeah, I know where that is. And I say, okay, well, in which case, you head up the road, turn left, turn left, and, and, and you're here. Um, what I do is I, I take what you know already, and I say, oh, it's, let me define it from that. What the psalm is saying is, is who is like Yahweh? No one. There is nobody who has his glory above the heavens, which means that we can know God truly because he tells us about him, but we can't know God fully. 
th- th- there is an aspect that he will always be greater than we can get our minds around. Another uh, church historian um, put, it like, uh, put it like this. This guy's called... Um, sorry, not church historian, another guy from church history, uh, a guy called Novation, put it like this. He said, what can you worthily say of him who is loftier than all sublimity, higher than all height, deeper than all depth and clearer than all light, brighter than all brightness, more brilliant than all splendor, stronger than all strength, more powerful than all power, more mighty than all might and greater than all majesty and more potent than all potency and richer than all riches, more wise than all wisdom and more kindly than all kindness, better uh, than all goodness, juster than all justice more merciful than all clemency. What can you say of him? You can say, hallelujah, praise that God. But the psalmist doesn't stop there. He says, the one who's enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. This God of whom it would be impossible to be happier. Is it possible to be happier than God? No, because he's the most mostest. He looks and he stoops down to look upon the earth. Does that mean he doesn't know what's going on? Is it, no, because it's impossible to have more knowledge than God does. He's the most mostest, remember? He, he knows all things that are and all things that aren't. It's not that he's kind of trying to work out what's going on on earth. It's a bit like this. Do you remember back in the days when you used to play in the playground? Um, maybe, maybe that's only a few years ago. Maybe that's many years ago. But remember when your friend would bring a new toy in or something interesting. Uh, what would be the words on your lips? I bet they were. Can I have a look? Now, what you meant there wasn't, can I watch you playing with that, please? Can I, can I see that? No, you didn't mean that, did you? You meant, ooh, can I get my hands on that? Can I, can I get involved? We've got a God, loftier than all sublimity, who looks on this world and says, can I get involved? What does it mean as Jesus takes on these words? He speaks of his perfect, happy relationship with God, the the most mostest. And you can almost imagine him with a wry smile the God who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. Think, think of, the, of, of the humility of Jesus at this moment. For you to become a slug would be humiliating, wouldn't it? The God who is the most mostest sings these words on the day before he goes to the cross naked and spat at and despised as a human being who is frail, the God who's the most mostest stoops to become the least leastest. He sings these in a very meal where he's going to get up and he's going to wash feet. Wow. Hallelujah. Finally, verse 7 through to verse 9, we see that this psalmist continues. Uh, He, uh, Yahweh, raises the poor from the dust, lifts the needy from the ash heap. He he seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Hallelujah. 
what's, what's the psalmist doing? Well, uh, having considered who God is, we did this on Wednesday, didn't we? Having considered who God is uh, in all his height, in all his splendor, he recognizes that that is not who we are. There is God living in unapproachable light, and I realize that that's not me. Uh, there is God who's given me fuel to praise him, and I realize that that is not me. There is God who's, whose praise goes on eternally, and I realize that I'm very finite, and I feel my agingness. I realize that I am dust. I realize that because of my rejection of God, I, 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 am, I cannot claim to be anything but one who is heading to the ash heap. Before that splendor, what hope do I have? What future do I have? That's incidentally why, why it speaks of, of the childless woman. It might seem a bit of an odd, an odd thing to throw in here. Um, many of us know the pain of childlessness, either ourselves or vicariously through others. In those days, it would not just have been that pain, that emotional pain. It would also have been a, a lack of a future. Who's going to take care of me in the future when I don't have uh, children? We recognize our futurelessness, our place on the ash heap. And yet, what does this God do? This God comes and he stoops and he takes those who are on the ash heap and he sits them with princes. What is Jesus saying as he sings this psalm? What must be going through his mind? Uh, yes, I'm the God who has stooped. How low am I going to stoop? I'm going to stoop to the very ash heap. I'm going to go out of this city and on the outskirts of the city, I'm going to be crucified. And there I'm going to show my frailty in death. I'm going to inhabit the very ash heap. I'm going to be marred with sin. The sin of my people, uh, your sin and my sin, uh, is going to go on me. Uh, The the, the picture of sin sometimes in in, in the Bible is is that picture of of, of kind of excrement. Uh, This this word ash heap could be translated uh, the excrement heap. Uh, I'm going to take that on myself. I'm going to become that person. Why? So that I can change places with you. So that you and me, you and me can be seated with princes. Let me ask you, where's, where, where is there a seat in this psalm? The only seat that's spoken about is the seat of the king. The very throne of heaven. As Jesus sings this psalm, as he, he knows that there will be a people who will sing of the God who saves. He knows that there will be a people who will sing of the humility of God. Why? Because they will know that they have switched places with this Jesus. That his right standing before God is theirs. That they will share and they will reign with him. Far from those who are insecure in the future, but those who are seated in a happy home, seated with the Lord, surrounded by his people. Hallelujah. And so Jesus calls out across the centuries from that table, and he encourages us to sing this psalm.
And we're going to do that uh, now. We're going to sing the psalm. Um, uh, it's to the tune of uh, My Song is Love Unknown. If you don't know the tune, then, then uh, listen in for the first verse and then, and then join in. Uh, and the words of the psalm will be on the, they're already on the screen. Um, so let's stand and let's sing this psalm in response to what we have heard. <laughs> 